Well, today I want to kick off a, a brand new series called Red Letter Edition. And uh, I love the song that, that Rachel found that just kind of sets the stage for that. Now, we got that, that, that topic name from the idea that uh, in the older Bibles, all of the words were Jesus were written in red, so they were easy to find. And um, this series is about looking at some of the incredible statements that Jesus made and how life-changing they are. And today I want to start with what will be probably one of the most familiar for, for most of us. Um, several years ago, we had uh, some missionaries uh, in East Africa, uh, Chris and Gail Anderson, and uh, they uh, served there for a number of years. Um, they're interesting. Gail used to write a, a blog about their experiences there. And I remember reading the, this blog that she wrote about um, getting stopped by the police one day. Uh, she said, you know, in East Africa at that time, she said, you know, they, they were always fearful of police because they, they seemed to be uh, very corrupt and all of this kind of stuff. And she said her and Chris um, were flying down the road one day, and she said, Chris always drove too fast. She said, I know that. And how many of you have husbands that drive too fast? Yes, my, my wife will hang hold her hand up. Yes, I remind her that regularly. But she said, we're, we're zipping down the road, and I know we're going fast. She said, then, then we look up, and there's a police officer standing on, at, on, on the edge of the road waving us over. She said, they don't have police cars there, so I don't know how you get chased by a cop. I guess he's kind of somebody really fast, like a roadrunner. But, uh, they, you know, they, they, he waved him over, and she said, we couldn't believe as he was waving us over, he had a radar gun in his hand. And she said, we'd never seen a radar gun in East Africa. That was crazy. Don't, she goes, we don't know if it was real, don't know if it even worked, but we were getting waved over to the side of the road. And she said, we were scared to death. You know, we had heard horror stories of people who had been stopped by the police, who were thrown in jail for what seemed to be almost no reason at all, who were, who were given huge fines and had to pay cash before they could even get out of jail, who people who had their cars taken from them or possessions taken from them. She said it was just, it was so corrupt. She goes, and we, we didn't really know what to expect. She said, we were just really fearful. She said, we got to the side of the road. She said, Chris was, you know, he was a, just kind of a, a, a very positive social kind of guy. So Chris jumps out of the car and he walks over and he just kind of sticks out his hand, says hi to the, to the police officer and starts engaging him in conversation. And uh, the police officer lets Chris know you were going seven, seven kilometers over the speed limit. And Chris kind of, his face kind of sunk, and he just said, well, okay. He said, I, I, I don't know exactly how fast I was going. He said, I never really even saw the road marked for what speed it was, so if you say I was speeding, I was. And, and Chris said, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize what the speed was. I, I promise you I won't do it again. And she, you know, he's sitting there, he's kind of standing there giving his spiel, and Gail said, I, to, to our disbelief, she said, after kind of giving all of his spiel, she said that uh, this police officer looks at Chris and says, I forgive you. And Chris is like, you know, what was that? And he said it again. And, and, <laughs> and he couldn't believe it. And Chris was just, he was just dumbfounded. You know, and he, he took it kind of, and she said for the next several moments, she said her, him and the police officer just stood there engaging in conversation, and, and the police officer was talking about speed limits on their roads in that part of the country, and, and what to kind of be, be careful about, and all this kind of stuff, and, and he said that when they finally finished the conversation, Chris stuck out his hand to shake, him, shake his hand, and it said the police officer said to him again, I forgive you, you may be on your way. 
And she said, we got back in, she said, and it completely altered how we thought, you know, about police in East Africa at that point. I remembered that story when I was getting ready for my message today because it reminded me of sometimes the image that we have of God. Now, I don't know how you grew up. Um, I grew up in a, in a very conservative church, uh, a very legalistic church, where God didn't always have such a great reputation. Um, the view that I remember when I was young of God is that God is a cosmic cop who was out to get you. Um, you know, it was kind of like not, not only are you going to sin, but God's going to know you've sinned and you're in big trouble. It's kind of like, remember your old Clint Eastwood? You know, go ahead, make my day, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of God that he was. And I remember living, you know, as a kid, being in, in fear that that's how God was. And what's interesting is I found that there are a lot of people who have grown up with that image, that God is, this, is, is a God who is stern, that God is, is a God of, of condemnation, that God is a God of, who wants to just, you know, release his wrath and his reckoning upon us. And yet, when you, when you really look at Scripture, you know what you discover? You discover the exact opposite. You discover a God, are you ready for this? Who loves us. Who loves us. You know, I used to think that you know, the Old Testament was about God's judgment and the New Testament about God's grace, but that's not true at all. Actually, if you go back to the Old Testament, you'll find over and over again God revealing that he really is a God of love. He's a God who is, look at me, he's a God who is for us and not against us. That's why I think of 1 John says, you know what, if you, don't, if you don't know love, you don't know God because God is what, church? Love. God is love. And if Jesus came to do anything, it was he came to be God's love letter to us, which is why I love passages of Scripture I want to look at today. If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can track along with us. For those of you watching online, we'll throw it up on your screen where you can see it too. We'll look at John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is Jesus in his conversation with Nicodemus. Great stuff. Let's read this out loud together. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Let me kick this off. Let me give you five facts about God's love. Some of this you may know. Some of this you may have never thought about or heard about before. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. You know what that means? It means simply this. I don't care who you are, where you've been, or what you've done. God loves you. I want you to think of the worst person that you know. God loves them. I want you to think of the worst person that you've ever imagined in history who have done heinous things, uh, committed crimes that are beyond belief, <clears throat> done things that are absolutely unspeakable. Do you know what? God loves them too. That, that's one of the absurd things about God's love is that God's love is not a love that is a love because of. Some of us grew up kind of around that kind of love. You know, I love you if you do the right things. I love you if you say the right things. I love you if you're a good boy. I love you if you're a good girl. <coughs> but you know what? God's love is... Excuse me, I've got to break out a cough drop. 
God's love is so different than that. God's love is not a love because of, it's a love in spite of. God loves you in spite of who you are. I love in Romans chapter 8, Paul was writing about God's great love. And he said, what could ever separate us from God's love? He said, you know what? <coughs> Neither heaven nor earth nor demons nor uh, the demons of hell or the angels above, life nor death, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. <coughs> Had my mic on, didn't I? I meant to click it off, sorry. God's love is unconditional for us. I, I, again, just make eye contact for a second. Just want you to hear my heart. I don't know where you came from. Don't know what you did. I don't know how you think about yourself this morning, but you need to know that no matter where, what your past has been like, our God loves you. Can I give you a second one? God's love is endless. It's an unending love. God's love is an unending love. I thought about this and how important this is this week um, when I was working on this, the fact that so many of us have had people in our lives that told us that they loved us and then they abandoned us. And we realized that even though they said they loved us, that that love somewhere along the way came to an end and, 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 and they walked away. But you need to know this morning, when we talk about God's love, God's love is an unending love. I love what he says in Jeremiah 31.3. He says, I have loved you, I love this, with an everlasting love. I, will, I love you, I have loved you with an everlasting love. It's a love that simply will never stop. It is a sacrificial love. God's love is a sacrificial love. For God so loved the world, he did what? He gave. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. I, I love when, when Paul was um, writing to the, to, the, to the Romans in Romans chapter five, he said, you know, he said, it's, it's rare that somebody would die for a good person. It's rare that somebody would die for a good person. He said, though, you know, you might find someone who would be willing to die for somebody who was really good. He said, but herein is love. God loved us while we were yet sinners. In other words, Christ came. Christ offered his life for us. It was a, a love that laid down his life so that we could know God with all of our heart. It's a sacrificial love. Let me give you this one. This is my favorite. It's a pursuing love. It's a pursuing love love. I, wrote, I write a daily devotional. Many of you are aware of that. Um, and this morning, the devotional that uh, I had written for today was telling the story about a 22-month-old little boy who, who wandered away from home out in the wilderness in Kentucky. And uh, he was gone for three days. And they had family came, friends came, people from all over the county came. They had over 300 volunteers scouring that area. And finally, three days later, they found him sitting, um, this 22-month-old child, they found this 22-month-old child sitting on a 50-foot ledge uh, overlooking this drop-off point. 
and, um, and, and, and he was rescued and he was alive. And, and reading that story again, it just reminds me of the fact that, you know what? God's love pursues us. God's love comes after us. God's love stays after us. It never, it never ever quits. Look at me. Even, even when we get weary, even when we give up on God, even when we run away from God, you know what? God's love never stops pursuing us. All through scripture, I love the story, this redemptive story of God whose people wandered away and God went running after them. They wandered away and God went running after them. They wandered away and God went running after them. And God's love pursues you and me. What favorite passage of scripture from Isaiah, Isaiah 62. Throw that up on the screen for me. He says, read this out loud with me. So they will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you will be called what? Sought after. The city no longer deserted. I love that. You will be called sought after. Why? Because God will never stop seeking for you. Give you one more. It's a life-changing love. It's a life-changing love. When I'm talking about God's love, I'm not talking about... Um, you know, an, an ooey-gooey feeling of talking about a love that can transform your life, a love that can redeem your past, a love that can give you a purpose for the future, a, a love that can give you clarity about who you are and what your life needs to be about. It is a transforming love. Pastor Will had a, a couple of our youth that approached him this last couple weeks and I talked to him about getting baptized again. And so he had a, a group that got together last night at Stanley Draper Lake. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. That's a picture of Corbin Gillen, one of our, our students that We've heard Corbin's testimony. He's got a, just a great testimony of the work that God has done uh, in his life. Throw that next picture up. And that's a picture of Kenny Luther, another one of our students, and Kenny too. It's been such a joy watching uh, Kenny grow into his faith and watching what God has been doing in his heart and life. And I just thought how cool it was that uh, our two of our youth came to Will, and, and uh, again, Will knew that you know we we weren't doing you know public baptisms right now. We're trying to keep again people socially distanced here at church and all of that. But they gathered together out there for this life changing experience we call baptism, and, and I love this. You know, baptism is is this incredible ceremony where when you take someone and you lower them down into the water. It's symbolic of the fact that this water is, is washing away all of their sin. It's, the, it's, a, it's a symbol of what God has done in their heart, that all of these things that, of their past have been washed away, and they come up clean. It's a symbol of when they're laying, you know, being layered, lowered down in the water, it's, it's being buried in Christ. It's the, it's the symbol, you know what, I'm burying that person that I used to be, and I'm being raised up, this new person that God has created me to be. And you say, Pastor, receive how in the world is that possible it's only possible because of the great love of God amen you betcha I, I love the passage of scripture from Ephesians 2 throw that up on the screen for me read it with me church it says but because of God's great love for us 
God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that we, that you have been saved. It is by grace that you have been saved. This love is a life-changing love. All right. Let me give you a couple, just a couple of thoughts that I want you to, I want you to think about as you, as you go home today. Here's the first one. God not only loves all of us, you know what? He loves each of us. God not only loves all of us, he loves each of us. <laughs> How many of you came from large families? Anybody? Yeah. There were 16 kids in my dad's family. 16 kids. Uh, Dad said that there were like 11 at home at, at any one time, but 16 kids, which I can't even begin to imagine. I was exhausted raising two. I can't, I can't imagine 16. Um, but I, can, can you imagine, you know, my grandmother and grandfather, can you imagine them taking the, the family on, on a picnic and uh, can you imagine them, have, you know, spending the day, you know, somewhere and uh, coming back at the end of the day and they're, 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 you know, they're tucking the kids in at night and they're going, doing the, you know, doing the body count, you know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And my grandfather looks at my grandmother and says, how many do we have? She says, 16. She says, I only count 15. She says, well, you know what? 15 out of 16 ain't bad. You know, that ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it wouldn't happen like that. It wouldn't happen like that. Why? Well, because, you know, my, my grandparents not only loved the kids, they loved each one of the kids. Does that make sense to you? They loved, how, many, how many of you as parents have, have had more than one child? Anybody, else, anybody got more than one kid? Yeah. And you understand this. You love your kids, but you love each of your kids uniquely. Does that, that make sense? You, you love them with the same amount of heart. You love them with the same amount of passion. But they're, they're each different. And you, you know each one. And you love each one. And you lean into them for who they are. And that's the way God is with us. And, and I was thinking about this and just thinking about how sometimes we get lost in that verse. Because it says, for God so loved the world that he gave us one only son. But here's what you need to know. God loves you. He loves you. He loves John. He loves Mark. Not sure about Leaf. <laughs> he loves Leaf. He loves, he loves Leaf. God, God not only loves us, church, he loves each of us. Amen? In fact, I was thinking about in the New Testament how Jesus dealt so uniquely with, with each person and uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 21, you remember the story? It's the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus saying, what do I have to do to be saved and all this kind of stuff. And then this guy ends up, he's going to walk away from Jesus. But I look, at, I look at what it says. Read it with me. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And, and again, there's all kinds of people there. Did Jesus love the crowd? Yes, he loved the crowd. Did he love his disciples? Yes, he loved the disciples. But you know what? This rich young ruler whose name we don't even know. Jesus knew him, and he loved him. The same thing, I love John 11, the story of Lazarus, it says, and read it with me. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and 
Lazarus. Jesus loved them all, but he loved each of them. Look at me. I, I just want you to get this. I, I know when you, sometimes when you come to church, you think, you know, God, God loves us, yes, but he loves you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows everything there is to know about you. And he loves you. Amen. Second thought I want to give you is this. Love is also primarily what God wants in return. Love is primarily what God desires in return. I think I told you last week we had our, we had our grandkids with us for, for three weeks. And uh, not only uh, was it exhausting, um, I, think we, I think we had to take out at least two second mortgages or something along the way to, to pay for everything that you buy for your grandkids when, you know, when, when they're there. How many of you grandparents understand this? You know, it's just, you know, whatever. My grandkids ask me for whatever. It's theirs. That's just kind of how it is. It, and, and it's so funny. Um, our, our granddaughter, Jolie, who's autistic, or, or she'll be 12 in October, you know, Wanda had her set up. She, loved to, she loves to draw. And Wanda has these drawing trays that she would set out, and she has paper and colored pencils and all this. And Jolie would go, and she would, she would make these pictures, and she would draw these different characters, and she would bring them to us, and she would talk, you know, she would tell us who they were and all of that. And, you know, and every once in a while on these things that she would, she would write, she would, you know, she would write, I love you. Do you understand this? That's all we would ever want from our grandkids. For all that we have invested in them, for all that we have given to them, for all that we have spent on them, all that we would ever want in return is for them to love us. Does that make sense to you? And that's how it is with God. Look at me. How in the world do we repay God for all that he's done? How do we repay him for his blessings? How do we repay him for his grace? How do we, how do we repay him for the, the many, many things that he's given to us along the way? But, but the fact of the matter is, what God wants more than anything else from you is he wants you to love him back. That's why I, lo- I love that when Jesus said it so clearly, Matthew chapter 22, the guy came to Jesus and he said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, read it with me, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You know, every once in a while, man, when, you, when you've been truly touched by God's grace and you realize how much he has forgiven you for and you realize all that he has blessed you with, every once in a while you feel like I do. You feel so unworthy of all of that and we are. But the fact of the matter is God doesn't want us. He doesn't care about us jumping through hoops or doing all of these wonderful things. What he wants more than anything else is for us just to love him with all of our heart in return. And can I say this? Here's what I've discovered. When you and I love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, he gets everything else. That just trails. Last thought. God offers his love to save us, but it is also meant to heal. God offers his love to save us, 
It's also meant to heal us. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The, the meaning behind that is the, the fact that God offers his love to you as a way of redeeming your past. That if you and I would accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, put our faith and our confidence in him, God is willing, God is willing to forgive that, to, to, to save us. Um, I, I love what Romans 3.22 says. Um, read that out loud with me. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. That's what, it, that's what that means, to, to, be, to be saved. But here's, here's the really cool thing I want you to think about. That word save, uh, the Greek word sozo, actually has two meanings that are really deep to the root of the word. And here's what it means. The first word means to make alive. First part of that means to make alive. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about being saved, that we're made alive. We are dead in our sins, and, and God saves us. He makes us alive by his grace. But it not only means to make alive, it also means to make healthy, to make healthy, to heal. That same word, sozo, that's translated there to save us, it is translated several times in the New Testament where Jesus heals us. Oh, this is so good. You see, God not only wants to save you and I from our sins, he wants to heal those broken places in us by his love. You know what's so interesting as I had no idea when I accepted Christ as my Savior, I had no idea how much brokenness I had in my life that needed to be healed by God. And what you begin to discover is as you really lean into the love of God, as you begin to embrace his love, he not only saves your soul, but he can begin to do that deep healing work that really needs to happen down inside of us. I love this. I put this on your outline. When I know I'm loved by God, you know what? I have security. I have security. You know, how many of us have looked everywhere wanting to find someone that would love us so that we could feel stable in life? You know what? We are loved. When I know I'm loved by God, guess what? I'm free to be me. When I know I'm loved by, by God, I don't have to jump through hoops to please people around me. I don't have to put on airs to, to try to prove myself to anyone. God loves me just as I am. And when I know that, I'm free to be me. When I know I'm loved by God, guess what? I'm free to love others. I'm free to love others. 1 John four nineteen. Read it with me. We love because he first love us. Can I say this to you? Look at me for a second. For a lot of us, the reason why it's so hard for us to love other people is because we haven't really allowed ourselves to be fully loved by God. There was a woman named Sue um, some years back, wrote a, wrote a blog about her experience of having surgery that I just thought was so to the point today. 
Let me just read what she wrote. Six years ago, I went through life-saving brain surgery. After spending time in the hospital, I returned home to recuperate. I was so depressed. My face was swollen and bruised. I had ugly metal staples from one ear to the other, and I was bald. She says, to say the least, I looked like a monster, and I felt even worse. Being so depressed, I, I just stayed in my room upstairs. I didn't want to see anyone, not even my family. My husband, children, and grandchildren, I just couldn't let them see me like this. I couldn't stand myself, so how could they stand me? I wanted them to remember me the way I looked before surgery. Several days after being home, I woke up, listened, and I couldn't hear anyone in the house. So I got up, and I went to the bathroom down the hall from my bedroom. When I walked out of the bathroom, there stood my three-year-old grandson, Stephen. I can't begin to tell you the terror I felt when his eyes locked on mine. He hadn't seen me since the surgery. What in the world would he think? He stood before me, puzzled for a second, and then the biggest smile appeared on his face, and he yelled, Baba! That was his special name for me. I smiled back with tears, just ready to run down my face for him, for him seeing me this way. He ran right up to me, and he gave me the biggest hug. There is absolutely no words for the happiness that I felt. He pulled away with, without a, not even a trace of fear on his face, and he looked at me, and he said, Bubba, you got a haircut. <laughs> I smiled, and I said, yes, I did. And then he looked at me with concern, and he said, who did it? I told him, the doctor cut my hair. And that was all he needed to know. His bubble was home and had a haircut. He loved me. He didn't care what I looked like. He took my hand and began to lead me down the stairs. I froze for a moment, but then I realized I am loved no matter what I look like. I was still his Bubba. Rachel, come on up. This morning, I want to offer you just a chance to lean in to that great love of God. For some of you, maybe you've never opened your heart to it. Maybe your images of God have not um, always been pleasant ones. But here's what you need to hear again this morning. For God so loved you, he sent his one and only son, that if you would just believe in him, you don't have to perish. You can have everlasting life. And this morning, I just invite you in these next few moments just to open your heart and for you to just privately pray to God and say, Lord, I need that love. I need that unconditional love. I need that unending love. I need that love that is pursuing me every day of my life. Lord, I need a life-changing love. And I promise you, if you will open your heart to God, he will meet you right where you are. And if some of you may have been kind of like my journey, 
you've, you've prayed that prayer. You've asked God to forgive your past. Are you willing to let God's love in to those hurtful places? God doesn't just want to save you. He wants to heal you. He wants to make you whole. And I just invite you during these next few moments just to say, God, let, let your love saturate me. You, you know those painful parts of my life that I really don't even want to visit anymore. Would you let your love heal me? Would you, would you let me, Lord, stop trying to live for everyone else? Would you, would you love me stop being defined by, by everyone else? Would you help your love, Lord, just to so flow over me that I know who I am because of you? This morning, God extends his love with open arms to us. Would you just take these next few moments to open your arms to him? Father, how we thank you today for your incredible, powerful, amazing love. Um, Lord, it just takes our breath away to think that the God of all creation would love us like you do. Um, that, Lord, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter how badly we failed, you, you love us anyway. Uh, and it's a love that won't go away. You don't love us because you love us in spite of. It's a love that pursues us. Lord, I, I, I wonder how many times this last week for each and every one of us that you tried a thousand ways to get that message across to us, that you see us, you know us, you love us as we are. Lord, I pray for each and every person who's here, who's watching this online, that God today, that let that love just invade their life. Lord, for some, maybe that's the first time they, they've ever opened their heart to you. It's the first time they've, they've ever seen you as a God of love. And today, Father, I pray that you would save them by that love, that you would put their past as far as the east from the west, that you would wash them anew, that they would know that today, if any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation, that God's love can begin to, to give them a, a new opportunity and a second chance. And Lord, I pray for some of us who need to be healed by your love. Even though we've asked you to save our souls, some of us have been just a bit more reluctant to let you heal our lives. And I pray that you would help us to open our hearts to the fullness of your love. Lord, you don't just want to save us. You want to heal us. And so I pray today, Lord, for Maybe for some of us who have been afraid to let you into those very painful and private places, that today that we would open our arms to you and that we would find your hand gentle and free. That today, Lord, not only might we be changed by your love, but that we would be strengthened by that love. Lord, as you change us, as you put your love in us, we live in a world that is desperate for us. And so we pray, Lord, would you love through us. Help us to see others the way you see us. And may we share that love that you've given us with them. Ah, God, thank you so much. That's in your precious name that we pray today. And everyone said, amen. Amen.